the Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hey folks, Jason Bond in the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio from Stoneville. Tom Allen is here. Tom, the man that puts the fun in fungus. Welcome, Tom. <laughs> That's fine, sure. Not so in love with that, it'll probably change. Well, actually, that came by special request. Oh, Lord. From an individual that you may know who I will not call out on the podcast. Well, you just have to tell me who it is later. That was a special request for the Tom Allen intro. Tom, not impressed. I wouldn't say I'm not impressed. Well, I'm just running. Just, I'm just running I, through them, dude. Some of I them work. You. Some of them work. Some of them don't. Oh, you've been getting comments about that now. Uh, yeah, it's. I guess it's a thing. Okay, great. It's a thing now. Wonderful. It's Brian and Justin are here with us. So, hello, everybody. Good to see you guys. Thank y'all for having. Yeah, us. glad to be here. And so we've had this one in the works for a couple of weeks now, and so we're going to talk about all things fertility in cotton. And but then we've had this flood over the last few days, so we were able to get them on the other episode too in person. So we appreciate them doing that. It's great to have former students back on the experiment station to sit down in the podcast studio with them and discuss some of these important topics for our farmers in Mississippi. Justin, Super Regionals are this weekend. If you were a college baseball player, what would your walkout song be? That is a tough question. That's one you have to put a lot of thought into, however. Uh, yeah. I mean, it also depends on position, right? Yeah. But it, I, it kinda know, I don't think it I kind of defines be, you. Right. I don't think I could be a closer, so I really couldn't get the best of the walkout songs. I feel as though Brian, you know, really being from, from that time frame and being into, into the music that, that <laughs> makes for a good walkout song. That's a good may question. Have a better suggestion. Let's see. To be put on the spot. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask Brian too. So oh, okay. I, I want to hear both. I see how he kind of. Well, while he to thinks, I'll give you him. mine. Let's say, uh, "Rage Against the Machine," "Bulls on Parade" oh, might would be uh, mine. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that anybody's gonna be able to follow that. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that yeah. is the mic drop. Done. Yeah. We're done. It doesn't matter. All yeah, done. that is uh, aggressive. No, I, I, I think, think is the word for that. Any Rage Against the Machine song is. Well, you're is talking about your your walkout song, so. All right, McCoy, how are you going to follow I, that? I told you I couldn't. I knew I needed to defer to him because he would make me look silly if I, if I <laughs> named a song. <laughs> and he did, and he will continue to. Wow. <laughs> how do you follow that? kind of comes with the goatee, right? That was good. Yeah, exactly. Solid. Yeah, Brian was the one that brought up the Mid-South Wrestling back in the spring. These are all things I didn't necessarily know about him in – former grad student lore he's somewhere hovering towards the top <laughs> at this point no man that's my foundation <laughs> <laughs> well no. some pretty strong building blocks if you ask me brian is a true renaissance man all right cotton fertility i know slightly more about cotton fertility than i do about plant pathology which is not much not true i keep telling you that untrue brian why don't you just kind of give us a a crop stage update, obviously with the flood, you know, okay. there's a lot of impacted areas, but just kind of in general, where are we at on our growth stages? And then we'll feed into the fertility from there. We all know that 2021 has been a challenging year for cotton. We've had setback after setback. The cotton really didn't, in, in a lot of areas, didn't come out of the ground exactly like we'd like for it to, and kind of set in some early growth stages and four and five leaf stage for a while. And we have also, some of the acres, we've lost a couple of 
maybe 50, 60,000 acres um, from intended planting to uh, soybeans due to market prices and things of that nature. But we're hopefully going to round the corner and get growing again. Um, some things we need to think about. After these setbacks, we'll just our fertility, our nitrogen applications, make sure that we get our nitrogen out timely before, if, if we ever get to bloom, you know, that, that is something that probably a little further away than we, we'd like for it to be. But we want to have these applications out there and, and maybe don't just assume nitrogen losses. Um, it, Cause if you have a later crop, if you, we can still make a crop with a hundred pounds of nitrogen, 90 pounds of nitrogen and a lot of soils, even if we, if we've lost some instead rather than loading up on the back end and, and, and creating some delays. 90 to 100 pounds can make a lot of a cotton crop. Um, I think on a majority of our acres, we're probably more in the 120 to 140 range, 140 being on the high end of things. Those rates should make a, a good cotton crop and in some instances be excessive nitrogen. And, and that's one of the things you want to stray from as opposed mm -hmm. to, say, maybe a corn crop where that excessive nitrogen may just ensure that's not a limiting factor. Um, nitrogen can turn into almost a limiting factor on your cotton crop. Whereas if you start really having to push to keep that cotton crop short and, and making it unruly and, and push to a later crop, you can really get yourself into some trouble with a, if you really blow that nitrogen application out. I think that's because cotton is a tree. And you don't just have those issues. You get your lower canopy disease issues too. If you put too much nitrogen on, it can be an absolute nightmare, especially if it starts to rain and it gets a little cloudy later in the season when you've most lapped definitely. middles and all the rest of that. I mean, that's a lower humidity fiasco in most cases. At this point in June, the reality is, especially if you plant it a little bit later, we, we missed a lot of sunshine, missed a lot of days. So looking at the calendar date, it's realistic to assume that your top end yield potential has suffered to some degree. So shooting to try to remedy that with nitrogen is probably not the way to go. Sun and heat. If you consider what the temperature's done for the better part of the last three weeks or when a month, pretty much probably when we've planted the bulk of our cotton crop, how many 90 degree days have we had? And that's more of a rhetorical question. You pretty much can count them on like two fingers, depending upon where you've been in the state. And it depends on where you've been. Yeah, right. you know, south of I twenty, I would expect they've probably had some more ninety degree days. But you get into the greater heart of the delta and throughout the bulk of the state, and it's not been a lot of ninety degree days. Most things have been in the eighties, and you've had about several days in the seventies. There were some days two weeks ago. In a week, we didn't. One or two days accumulated no heat units at the North Farm, and then several days less than 10 in the past week i think that it was average like 13 and a half for 14 which if you were to say from our earliest planted cotton until yesterday it was 412 heat units i think whereas it should have been the ballpark of 430 425 430 so so off about 10 percent yeah which should have that cotton at pinhead square and it's not so we went through rates a little ways. So 90 to 120 ballpark is where we're at for nitrogen on cotton. So then why don't y'all go through appropriate timings? A lot of these um, farmers are putting out a split application, usually with their liquid, putting out maybe a, a third at planting and two thirds prior to squaring or flower. Obviously, we'd like to be out before bloom. And then you have your um, your dry applications where it's usually a, a one-shot deal or it could be a two-shot deal. 
but a lot of the guys go through there one time and, and put out urea. Obviously, it's, it's better to put some kind of a urease inhibitor on, on those. Do you have a sense of how much percent of acres wise, Brian, between the traditional cottons, you know, side dress, coulter rig, knife rig application versus a dry fertilizer application? When you get on the eastern side of the state, you, you start to see more of the dry. Okay. Mainly because of the soil type and difficulty with the closing the split and everything. When you get in the delta, most of these guys are putting out install with a, a coulter or a knifing rig. And you could even be – some people put out some at planting. I mean, it's kind of across the board. It's probably farmer to farmer, whatever works for their management system. So I'll jump in. Speaking to those sources, um, and I'll ask Brian this after I say a little bit. Um, when you get those sources, I know sometimes with the install, we see a lot of 28.005 run to get that sulfur and a lot of 32 um, without the sulfur per se. And then on the flip side of things with that dry, you know, you may get some ammonium sulfate in there mm-hmm. to get that sulfur source. And then, um, and then urea. And you touched on the inhibitors. Um, I'm a proponent of, of those need to go out all the time, um, especially with this year. I think our window to get those nitrogen applications is going to be short um, as it needs to get out there. And I don't really see a big rate difference, I think, other than, than field different wise. But do you have any feeling on that as to, as to if rates would change with those sources or, or really we're kind of in the same ballpark either way as long as you get those units out there? Get those units out there. A lot of times farmers know what works best in their fields and what rate they like to go with. But, you, I mean, you're gonna, they're going to target that number with whatever source that they're using. You had mentioned something about um, – ammonium sulfate or you know 28005 and since our air has gotten cleaner we're seeing a, you know a lot less sulfur deposited and I'm getting more and more calls about sulfur deficiencies and you know we see these on our low organic matter lighter textured soils so are you seeing much of a sulfur fertility going out or programs in where in your part of the state I think as you said it becomes more and more prevalent every year I do feel like on our traditional cotton acres we do a fair job of it. Um, it still pops up a decent amount, and sulfur is a is a an extremely important nutrient to cotton production. Proven that with with data over the years. Um, as we as we begin to grow a lot more grain on these, um, those grains are pulling a lot of sulfur mm-hmm. out of that soil. Um, so I think we see that's where it's really popping up. Is is even though we may be cognitive that cotton needs a sulfur crop sulfur to make a crop you know we're pulling a lot more sulfur out of those soils than we were and so i'll speak to sources um i know we talked about ammonium sulfate and then the 28005 um those are both great sources in, in my opinion mm-hmm. for in season you know i'll touch on sometimes i get asked about elemental um and it does not need to go out in season um it needs to be applied in the fall only over on the eastern side of the state we run some potassium sulfate i don't know how available it is um, over here in the delta region itself it is a good source and also may get you some of that potassium if it's something you feel you may need to make that cotton crop um, but but with those sulfur sources just keep in mind you need sulfate to be plant available now um, the elemental is something that needs to go out in the fall and be incorporated before it can be it can be converted to a sulfate to a plant available form and we're also talking about cotton fertility but you also have to think about the whole picture your crop rotation like you touched on a second ago you know if the driver of your sulfur is your grain crop that and your you know, in your fertility for your cotton crop is almost secondary. You have to manage both of these crops and, and put it out for just to make sure that your, I mean, your cotton crop has adequate 
sulfur, including your corn or your soybean crop, which you're going to be removing a lot. What about top dressing, you know, as the crop progresses? How common is that? And what what are the triggers for those applications? It's usually like a salvage scenario, kind of like what when we're experiencing this year with the wet weather, let's say we denitrified, we leached a lot, and you're trying to get something out there to work really fast, and you might want to consider some kind of top dress, maybe in certain parts of the field. To grow stage with that, Brian, um, I know we talk about flower and getting it out there by first flower. If you do have, say, a salvage scenario where you think that maybe those plants start to flare up and, and run out of nitrogen, where would you be with a latest kind of growth stage to get that application out there. You want to have it out there before you start really filling bowls. Prior to bowl fill, I would say. I mean, once you get past that, I mean, you're 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 getting late, and you're probably going to run into just a cosmetic foliar. And you're also trying to manage your PGR, your vegetative versus reproductive, and you know you don't want to shift that out of your reproductive cause because if if you're starting to flare up at the bottom and you're setting bowls that's not a terrible place to be in because you're that just shows you're you might be out in the soil profile but you're relocating it through the plant at that point i I wouldn't really recommend going out there with nitrogen i don't think you you i don't think you get your money back last question about nitrogen fertility or the last question that i have in the areas that have flooded do we change our nitrogen fertility plan because of the flood it depends but if, if you're able to stick with your plan that you had in place and can effectively get your nitrogen delivered and you have adequate root systems available to to receive it i don't think it necessarily matters but if you're running into a situation where your plan obviously doesn't work anymore or you see a flaw in maybe the way the field's laid out or how it dried out or maybe if some of it drowned it out and there's a better means but at the end of the day, like we mentioned earlier, it's just make sure you have your units in a your available form going into bloom, and that's all you can hope for. In the other episode, we mentioned potassium, and then, Brian, you mentioned kind of the grain crops driving the sulfur. So in a whole farm kind of management, do y'all think that the K deficiency that I've heard y'all talk about for cotton over the past – few years obviously the grain crops in the rotation Mm -hmm. are tied into that but are the grain crops the driver and then what is the whole farm management scheme for taking care of those deficiencies i'll give the short answer and let mccoy give the long one because he's pretty good at that but i mean it's the same thing the grain is your primary miner of k as well and it's going to be removing the most but nice being cotton has a high potassium demand as well and we're seeing more and more deficiencies show up, and especially in your lighter textured soils. So with a lot of rain, like we've, we've had flooded conditions, I could see in-season applications being a viable option, especially, but kind of like nitrogen, you don't want to wait too late. You needed to, we need to assess if that could be a benefit, assess it pretty early and, and get it out there. The biggest thing to me on the potassium and really all the nutrients that we have out there is, is in the past five to 10 years, we're 10 plus bushels on our average yield across our state greater than we were. And so the thing with that is every time you take a bushel off of each one of those fields, you're carrying those nutrients to the elevator. 
Um, so as we continue to push those yields, not only our grains, but our cotton as well, um, we're going to mine more potassium. We're going to mine more of all our nutrients. And then as our cotton yields increase, we're going to need more potassium out there. Uh, cotton is our is really the crop we grow that has the greatest potassium needs throughout the growing season. Um, now, cotton doesn't necessarily remove as much as, say, a grain crop would as you take that lint off the field, but its needs are greater than any of those grain crops. And so I think that's why we see those K deficiencies more often in a cotton scenario than we do with some of our grain crops. Um, and, and that goes also back to, as we touched on, is our variety. Season shortens. You have to take up a lot more potassium in a lot less time. And with this year, I think it's something that we're primed to see. We have kind of a late crop we can run into, particularly if you're on a dry land situation, you run into an extended dry spell. You know, if, if you don't have soil moisture out there, it's not going to put that potassium mm -hmm. into solution to be able to take up by the plant. Um, and so with that, it's one of those things it's difficult to address because even if you go and you put, say, potassium out there, if you don't have this, that, yeah. if you don't have moisture to move it to the plant, is it really something you can do? And that's a thing that addressed with agronomic concerns, such as, as plant and date and variety selection, which we can't always control the environment. Right. And, and you know, this year we would have loved to got planted earlier, but it's something we need to to watch and, and maybe anticipate and just be aware of out there to, to look for. And these. Really, this all goes back to the biggest thing you can do is having a good base fertility program. Soil sample, know, do I have a sufficient K out here? And if you're on that borderline, especially with a cotton crop, which we, we change our recommendations from any soil lab, they're going to have a range, correct? Well, if you may be two parts per million into the medium range, but you're also only four pounds an acre of potassium away from being in that low range. Um, so maybe look at some of those things and it's something we need to consider. And maybe us as, you know, we need to kind of readdress some of those things. A lot of these ranges were set mm -hmm. years ago. And so we need to, that's another reason to have sufficiency of these nutrients out there to make sure that these crops can, can have it available when they need it available. And, and the best time to address that is, is in the fall and with our soil sampling. Um, but as we move into the year, um, like you said, an in-season application with sufficiency and sufficient soils, we have not seen a response in the data to that. Um, however, I, I know producers that, that really like those in-season applications, and, and cotton is one of those things that it becomes tricky with, with fertility-wise. And, and as these varieties change, you know, maybe some of that older data is not as, uh, not as great as it once was, if that makes sense. I mean, varieties change a lot quicker than, say, I can get that, some of that potassium work done in the For field. Sure. Some good points. And the, with varieties, I mean, we're planting new varieties rapidly, more rapidly than ever. And a lot of the ones that we have out there this year, there's not that much data on exactly how they perform and all their nutrient needs and things like that. And haven't the bulk of our varieties shifted more towards an early maturing growth habit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and to me, at least in the standpoint of y'all both hit on the foliar potassium pathogen related complex and i really hesitate to call it a pathogen complex because they're more saprophytes they're just there because the plant's suffering from k deficiency and from where i sit obviously a cotton is a little bit more sensitive to that just based on how many acres we apparently have that appear to maybe need some additional k to support that but the hard part there is in the area that i've always gotten into trouble with as a plant pathologist is it may not be a soil deficiency, it may be a plant uptake deficiency. And then we're talking about a physiological issue there. 
can either of you touch on that? And I realize that rambled and it didn't necessarily have a question. Justin was just saying, if you go into a really dry patch, and even if you have adequate fertility, that mean that's where you, you're mentioning your plant uptake problem. So that's something that's really out of your control unless you can irrigate it or the environmental conditions change. So it goes back to, you know, at the end of the day, if you do all you can do, apply your for your fertilizers in the fall have a you know a management plan or soil monitoring soil checking routine that you normally do you know outside of those if you check all your boxes the rest is kind of environmental and with the the k deficiency as you touched on it's really a plant physiology thing but is there anything that they should from a pathology standpoint if you get to that point and from a potassium standpoint you you're probably you know are you too far gone at that point for, say, you know, to worry about pathology, to worry about a fungicide application? What is there anything in your world that they can consider at that point? In time? Fungicide won't be beneficial unless you rectify the issues in the plant. You're, you're right. not slowing any of those organisms down. And, and I make that statement from even seeing some plot trials that, that Darren had done a decade ago, looking at, at different K rates and K sources you couldn't tease anything out from looking at those plots. They all were starting to defoliate, and that would have been a dry land situation, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. as well. So that you know added compounding stress in that particular situation. And so you touched on growth stage there. One thing I will mention with that is if you have an early season K deficiency that you can recognize before, say, that plant really starts to push bowls, it's something that you can rectify. And getting a potassium application out there really could make up some of that if – but you, what you want it to do is by the time that plant pushes bowls is when we really start to see most of these symptoms happening. And, the, you know, the reason that happens is because it's pulling it out of the plant and out of the leaves itself and pushing it to that bowl load. And that's when you get the rest of these symptoms and, and really start to see that deficiency. And at that point in the fertility realm, you know, it's really something that needs to be rectified the next time and probably from yours as well, it sounds like, Tom. Well, we really appreciate having Brian and Justin back here to sit down and, and discuss some of these important things with us. You know, thanks, you guys. Yeah, it's been fun. It's great to see Absolutely. you. Absolutely. We enjoyed it. So in some instances, the rainfall helps get some folks in to kind of do some things when the fields are wet. I mean, it's definitely what we've been doing a little bit this year. But as usual, we'd like to thank our regular listeners. We really appreciate the comments. Keep those coming because I think that definitely is meaningful, and we really appreciate that. Thank you all for driving over. See you all. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.